Welcome to Hot Lava Podcast, Kevin AC. Oh my gosh, I'm actually back in San Diego. Jake Posner, Sports Editor of the Union Tribune. Jake, two for the Rockies, or two against the Rockies at Petco Park. Seems like it's been a long time. Uh, and then a day off. This is an interesting road trip. You got two against the Rockies, day off. Four against the Reds, day off. Two against the Mariners, then a travel day uh, to uh, Washington. So, day. Some interesting uh, pitchers or pitching matchups here. I know uh, I got Luke Casey and Mark Gavich here for the Padres. Who's, uh, who's going for the Rockies? Kevin, it looks like Antonio Sensatella, I hope I got that uh-huh. right, will be making his season debut tonight uh, at Petco Park against Luke Casey for the Rockies. And then John Gray, who mm-hmm. we're familiar with, uh, 0-3 with a ERA just over 4, which actually by standards for Colorado pitchers really isn't terrible, but... That's who the Padres will see tomorrow. The Rockies have, will get to the Padres in a moment because they've obviously a big story with their road trip and everything that happened on it. The Rockies, though, have just been awful. Four and twelve so far. They're actually winless in five games at home. They got finally won one yesterday on a one hitter, and and Nolan Arenado hit his first home run of the season yesterday, which just I saw that on the ticker. It's just hard to believe that uh, when it, you just saw one next to his name. Uh, with the home run and he has the highest batting average and I know batting average doesn't mean anything but still tells you a little bit and in their in the box score from yesterday coming out of the game yesterday he has the highest batting average on the club at 254 so just a bunch of guys you know Blackman's like 234 I think Trevor Story's around 240 Ian Desmond's in the 100s I mean they've just got some guys that just aren't doing anything so obviously the Padres will be hoping that that continues at least for for two more days, but you are back home. You just spent what I'm sure felt like three more weeks on the road, but what what do you take out of the road trip other than the obvious, which is that the Padres had themselves a great time uh, and won, what, seven out of ten? Seven out of ten took all three series, uh, did it by taking the first two in St. Louis, you know, had to, to win, a, a to hold on and win a tough one, uh, the, the rubber match in San Francisco. And then you come in and you take uh, the first three from Arizona, which actually, you know, that's a good hitting club. They had been playing well. I think they were six and six. Um, after, you know, uh, not starting, what, they lost three or four in their opener. So they had actually been feeling good. And uh, here you are. Look, look what the uh, Cardinals did to the Dodgers after the Padres left. There's a, there's a lot uh, within the context of it being uh, 17 games. There, there's a lot to, to be super impressed by, and I could, I could start with uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. Jay. That's a good, uh, that's a good place to start, Kevin. <laughs> I mean, he, he would I have mean, been. I think the great thing is he would have yesterday. What is it? Yesterday would have been his first game, or Saturday? Friday would have been. Friday, his okay, major this weekend, debut, I know. His, right. His if they had decided to manipulate a service time, which everyone, including them, expected that they would, though they wouldn't have used the word manipulation. <laughs> they would have used words like he needed to, you know, he needed some more seasoning. Well, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> he has seasoned this this uh, team with spectacular plays and big hits, and I think you you basically could trace three victories are, don't happen without him, and you could say more based on defensive runs saved, runs created, energy created. Um, it is truly amazing, and well, you had a great player, so it's, it's Fernando Tatis Jr.'s uh, credit, the credit mm-hmm. to him, but credit to them because they're sort of rewriting a, the book here on, hey, let's do it. Let's just do it this way. Right, and I, and I think you mentioned creating energy, and I think it created a feeling, and I know you wrote about this, but I think it created a feeling in the clubhouse that, hey, we're serious about winning mm-hmm. games. You know, that, that winning games this year matters more than, you know, 
almost anything else. I mean, I'm not going to say it matters more than than health because obviously when it comes to pitchers, we're going to see guys get taken out of games. I mean, we saw it the other night with Paddock. Guys are going to get taken out of games earlier so uh, than maybe they would have if you were like all out to win every game. But I mean, they are obviously looking after the health of their players, which you would hope they would. But beyond that, showing that they want to win games and and having guys like Paddock and Tatis especially on the roster at the start of the season, and it's it's paid off. I mean, this team this team would not have the record eleven and six that it has if those guys were not on the team. There, I I just can't believe that you know their replacements would have would have been suitable in those spots and done what those guys have done. It's been part of why this team is is fun to watch, and Tatis is a big a big part of that both defensively and, and offensively, showing the power. You know, look, he's going to have at-bats, as we've talked about, where he doesn't look very good. But almost everybody has at-bats like that. But well, he, what's interesting? He, he produces, you know, he's shown great power already, and he's made some great plays in the field with, with minimal poor plays. You, you make two points there is like he's, he's brought excitement to where even if it hadn't been for the big hits, right, or as many right. of them, uh-huh. but he's, he's provided enough moments that everyone's expectations at the start were kind of low, both for him, at, you know, in terms of at the start of his career and, and at the start of this season for this team, he'd be like, okay, like if they were 500 or something right now or eight and nine, but man, that's how he's exciting. Well, he's going to be great in 2020. Mm-hmm. That'd be something. They five home runs, and they've been big, almost every one of them. And, and, and then a big double the other night, and, uh, you know, he's actually helping them win. That's like a whole other level. Then, yesterday, he chases at least two pitches in his first at-bat out of the zone, including strike three on a bounced slider from Zach Granke. This is Zach Granke who's dealing this year. Right. Not like Zach Granke, Kansas City Royals, or Dodgers, right? But Zach Granke nonetheless. Then, first pitch of the second at bat, Fernando Tatis Jr. does not chase almost a, an identical, didn't bounce, but a, a very mm-hmm. similar slider for ball one. And what did he do on, on, on the second pitch? He hit a home run. Um, he's done that actually quite frequently. Yes, he's had two, three strikeout games, including, I believe, Saturday when he, he had a home run, but he also, you know, struck out three times. Um, but he's bouncing back from those, like, you know, like good players do like I, I you know hesitate to say but like potentially great players do no I think that's uh that's true and this game is obviously physical talent plays a big part in it but it's so much of a mental game these guys fail so often that they can't if you're weak mentally it's gonna it's just gonna kill you and and I think in the sense of Tatis yeah. he's shown that that's not the case he'll have a bad at bat and he might have three bad at bats, but it doesn't seem to affect his next at bat. He comes back and he sh- and he shows he shows something. He shows that he gets it, and he shows that he's strong, uh, and and be able to come over that. Look, we're still I'm sure we're still going to see an 0 for 20 out of this guy, or, or a one for 18 or something like that, because you're going to see that from most people in in this game. But he at least at the beginning he's shown signs that he knows how to handle that, and to be able to do that at his age. Is you know is remarkable and it's and it's a good sign for the future. And um, I had someone to tweet me the other day that said that you know uh, AJ Preller should should be in in prison somewhere for being able to get Tatis for James Shields. And uh, I, I said between that and 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 Chris Paddock for Fernando Rodney, you know those those are those are Hall of Fame type type moves. And not that 
Preller hasn't made bad moves and, and won't make bad moves in the future. But those are two Hall of Fame moves, and those can change your team for the future to get two guys like that without really giving up much or if of anything in, re- in return. Yes, and what you do is you find teams in both of those uh, situations. You had uh, teams that thought, hey, we're going to get a piece here that, that could help us win this year. And, you know, go on for like a half an hour, an entire hot lava podcast today <laughs> about the dangers in that because... Corey, Kl- Corey Kluber, Corey Kluber, Corey Kluber, yeah, right? For, yeah, for Fernando Rodney was, uh, was fantastic that year. I don't think he'd blown a save, right? Right, no, he, yeah, there was nothing wrong with him, but they didn't need him. That, they, they weren't going anywhere. Had it, had just before that, um, and, I, and look, it was it was a single A, okay? Mm-hmm. But Chris Paddock had just before that trade gone five games without allowing a hit. <laughs> right. <laughs> like he was going, he was going four or five innings at a time. It was something like twenty three innings, right? But still, like twenty three innings without allowing a hit. This was like a steal. Like no one in the Marlins organization, except for like the owner, uh, could could fathom giving up this kit. But hey, they wanted to make a, a run uh, right then. Right. So anyway, you're, it's it's. I always, when I see that, I I process it through the context of, okay, so now the Padres in 2019, they need someone to eat innings. Okay, so what should they do about that? And, you know, like I said a couple weeks ago, I'll actually be surprised if they don't add something. Um, And I won't be surprised if it's Dallas Keuchel. Um, But I think it will be because Dallas Keuchel's price and demand for years came down. It came down to a reasonable price and it came down to one year. And that's where I think they'll consummate a deal. Right. Well, the clock's still ticking. I mean, we're at April 15 <laughs> right now. The season, we, you know, the season I think is 26 or 27 weeks long and we've, we've had three weeks already. Uh, and we've talked about it's going to take, uh, it's going to take a couple, three weeks for him to get ready even after he, he signs. So I, I would hope if that's the move they're going to make, uh, or whatever move they're going to make, uh, but if it's someone who's not in the game right now, that it would be made, you know, sooner rather than later. So I'm sure that's something you'll you'll keep an eye on this week. I do want to go back to more about the road trip and especially the way that it ended yesterday, and All right. the idea that the Diamondbacks were clearly upset on Saturday night. I think a guy got hit there, were, and and there were some balls that were close, and it was obvious, mm-hmm. and, it, and it was obvious at least to me watching the game that. Robert Stock was not intentionally throwing at every, anyone because if he had, right. he would have missed him because Robert Stock had no idea right. where the ball was going. It was like a certain quarterback right. who tried to throw a ball at me at a practice one day many <laughs> years ago, and of course he missed because he missed everything back then. Um, but the idea that Stock was throwing at someone in that situation or that the next hit batter or the hit the batter came from Wingenter when they were trying to protect a lead – that he would be yep. trying to throw at someone just seems so ludicrous to me. And yet Arizona got all upset about it. At least their batters did. And then I yesterday, right. And then yesterday, I I, I missed I, I missed the end of the game. But I did read later about what you said. But uh, for anyone else who missed it, tell tell us what happened at the end of the of the game yesterday when it was an Arizona victory was was well in hand. And I I had put on Twitter on Saturday night. I expected something to happen on Sunday that I wouldn't. I hoped I was wrong, but I wouldn't be surprised if Arizona targeted somebody on Sunday. So it sounds like that's what they did. Ludicrous is a very, 
accurate word because honestly, my head is down. As you know, at that point, I got to finish a story mm-hmm. uh, right when the game is done, and, and so it's the ninth inning, and in comes uh, Greg Holland, is uh, the reliever that the Diamondbacks bring in for the ninth inning. There, it's got a four-run lead. They get the first two outs. Francisco Mejia is up. Uh, He's now gone eight and two-thirds innings. It is completely out of my brain now that the Diamondbacks <laughs> might do anything. Right, I mean, it right. never occurs to me, right? And uh, Holland bounces, or not, he does, it, it ends up bouncing, but it bounces behind Francisco Mejia, who has to hop out of the way. First pitch. Second pitch, again, behind Mejia. The Padres' dugout has gone nuts. They went a little nuts after the first one. They go totally nuts after the second one. Andy Green is yelling uh, at, at uh, is it Mike Winters, yeah. uh, the home plate umpire. Uh, Winters is like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and, uh, like, in, in his defense, to some extent, really, it's like eight and two-thirds innings, you wait, and then you can't even hit the guy? Right. I mean, it was... It was crazy with it. It went down like that. But isn't that great about baseball? Is like we all have like these unwritten rules, and then it seems like we can't follow them. <laughs> so what was the what was the feeling in the clubhouse afterward about with with not only Andy but some of the players as well? Well, they were ticked off, but it's like like and certainly Andy who uh, said. I love it. I don't know if he got this from his oldest daughter. It sounds like something that like an 11-year-old would say. <laughs> literally clueless. He said the umpires were literally clueless. I, I love that. Why. Are we going to get a fine? <laughs> I, I, I want to see – are we going to get a fine out of this? That would be the thing where in the NBA they'd send out a release today that someone had been fined $15,000 for, for criticizing the officiating or something. And then the guy making $20 million a year would say, yeah, yeah, whatever. Here's your, here's your money. I think that uh, what will happen is Andy will probably pay $1,100. It's, it's like something very small. It's kind of funny. Uh, and then they'll decide what charity it goes to. Andy's always like, I wish I could decide what charity is going to. I get thrown out more often. Um, right. But uh, <laughs> uh, yes, there will most uh, I would think most certainly be a fine. I don't know, Jay. The umpires. I know you're not you're not a huge fan of them. Uh, should he've thrown out Holland like right away? I don't know. You know, that's one of those things. I don't know what the. I'd have to look at what the rule actually says, um, or if there is a rule for something like that for intentionally throwing at someone. I mean, he didn't for missing someone. Yeah, I don't know that. I don't know that you throw somebody out in that case. I mean, for one thing, he didn't hit him. Um, no. So I, I don't think you can. I, I certainly don't think he could throw him out. Warning. But it, it seems like he should have gotten a warning uh, to at yeah. least acknowledge that they knew what was going on. It's going to be really interesting. I was just looking this up to see. Obviously, when's the next time? these teams play May 20th. and it's right may 20th back here at at petco uh it'll be really interesting to see what happens before that game if there are any uh if if anything comes up before the game if there are any warnings issued uh before the game or or if there if the umpires are quick to issue a warning the first time a pitch goes inside or or anything but it's it, you, you would hope they would keep a better eye on it than than Mike Winters apparently did yesterday to to not do anything but I do I did love that quote about literally clueless umpiring um what, to me that's that's a common that. affliction that that most umpires have but I mean some of the strike zones and, and you know oh. the games and and it's like pitches that are clearly Strikes get. I mean, Arizona complained a lot, and the Padres, I think, did too. But because some of the strike zones over the weekend were just awful, but it's like these pitches that are right on the inside corner. And the I can't understand how an umpire could miss a pitch on the inside corner. He's standing right there. He lines up on the inside corner, 
These guys missed pitches on the inside corner. One of the umps, I think it was Saturday night, was giving pitches like three or four inches off the plate on the inside All corner. Night. All night. And then pitches that were on the outside corner that were strikes were not being called strikes. It's just it's just crazy that these guys can't. And, and they were talking on the on the broadcast, I think, about how umpires are better now than they've ever been. And it's like, I, I don't know, maybe that's – Maybe that's the case, and we just know it now because, yeah. you know, we see the box on the screen and uh, and, and all that stuff. But it, uh, seeing seeing some of these games called, I just can't believe that that people in front offices and dugouts aren't all over Major League Baseball to to do something and get something fixed and and either get these guys to call strikes right or get get the electronic strike zone working where we can use it or or whatever it might be. But there, there's got to be a better solution to to this than to, to be missing all these pitches. And at the same time, I'll say batters seem highly uh, sensitive about any Good pitch that yes. is borderline. They all think it's a ball. And, and which one is like the dog and the tail or the, right, you know, the egg right. and the chicken? Because, you know, our batters just – but it is ridiculous because, honestly – a lot of times the batters complain it was a strike. Absolutely. And it's like, swing, you know, look, that was a great pitch. It doesn't mean it was a bad call or, or just swing the bat. Uh, and before you know. the box, before, at least me, Jay, I don't mm-hmm. know how, how long your disdain for umpires goes back, <laughs> but, but before the little box, right, or the fact that I'm charting pitches the next day right. and I get to see, you know, on MLB.com, I get to see the little thing, right? Um, it was like, that's exactly what you would say to a batter. Hey, buddy, he's calling it there all day. Swing at it. Right. That's, and Greg Maddox would be laughing. So, yeah, I mean, um, I, I, and yeah. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not one of those guys that thinks that, well, it's, you know, if he consistently calls it four inches off the plate, that it's okay because no. it's not okay. But, but how about the corner? How about but that, you know? If it's on the corner, it's a strike, you know, and, and these guys too often, I think Nick Ahmed was one the other night that the, the pitch that he struck out on was a perfect pitch. I mean, there was the, like the entire ball was in the strike zone. It wasn't even like it had just clipped it or anything like that. So anyway, that's enough on. Uh, that was our umpire segment. But anybody that's enough on umpires. baseball, Jay, like, like, yeah, I feel like we have to apologize for our umpire segments. But anybody that watches it every night, it is becoming like increasingly frustrating. Yeah. Both ways. I'm not, it's not about the positive. This is about like, dang it, man, get it right. 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 No, I, I agree. And that's, and it's even more frustrating, I think, because of, of replay where we do get some calls right now, you know, we're able to, to get tag plays and, and so many tag plays have been missed uh, through the years. And I always wonder oh. about, you know, all sports, but especially f- football and, and baseball that use replay like this, like how the, how the history would be different, uh, <laughs> you know, if we had had replay for certain calls and everything. But anyway, we did say we would uh, move on from that. Um, wh- what else did, what else did, what else did we like about the Padres? And and then we'll get to what we didn't like and the and the concern, which is obviously middle relief. But what else did you right. like uh, about about what you saw on the road trip? Well, for now, what I like is that this team makes adjustments. They really do. You go through their bats early in games, and I'm going to continue to kind of like you know unlayer this and, and try to put together uh, an informative story on it. But it really is kind of uh, it really is impressive that uh, consistently. Virtually every game, uh, bad at bats turn into good at bats. And you know what? You can have good at bats, and it doesn't really, uh, you know, show in, in a hit. But eventually, it does, and that's what's happening for the Padres. Like almost every night, mm-hmm. and, you know, including they put together some runs and a little comeback yesterday. Um, and you know, a lot of times it's been they're they're winning. Um, so 
uh, that that would be probably number one because that has to happen like all the time. Then, hey, Matt Strom, Matt Strom bounces back. Got like that. Uh, Chris Paddock has yet to have like uh, you know his worst outing. He didn't give up an unearned run. You know, an unearned run, right? Good. Yeah, no, I know. He, he didn't give up an, uh, an earned run. He right. gave up an unearned run. Um, uh, so and. Huh. Nick Margavich, we are writing about him tonight. He pitches tomorrow against the Rockies. As we tape this on Monday, he pitches Tuesday. Uh, he's just keeping guys off balance, and that's that's as simple as it gets. He puts his pitches exactly where he wants to, and major league hitters don't know what's coming because he actually does have four really good pitches. He doesn't have a single great one, but he has four really good ones. Right, right. Um, one one concern, obviously, is the bullpen. And the uh-huh. other concern, and, you know, look, it's early, but it's three weeks, the the and I don't this I don't think this is sustainable. But the Padres actually after yesterday have a negative run differential. Um, you know, even with their eleven and six well, record, and it's weird they have the yeah. best record in the National League right now. Uh, they're one of three first place teams. Two of the first place teams have negative run differentials, so I'm not sure we can read too much into it. Milwaukee, who everyone agrees is a good team, is minus six. The Padres are minus three. Uh, but I do think that's something to keep an eye on. I I don't know that yeah. you know winning winning one run games for six months is probably not sustainable. Uh, And it's probably not sustainable from a bullpen standpoint, which brings us to the bullpen. Um, Right. You know, Stammen and Yates have been tremendous, but, and, and I guess Wingenter has been pretty good um, as as well, but there's been a lot of issues in the middle and they made a couple moves yesterday, hoping that, you know, to fix that. And then Matt Whistler went out and, and, you know, gave up, it didn't have a good inning. And, and, uh, I think what Maton gave up a home run. So they're still searching for answers basically in that middle relief spot, right? It's one of those things where they are correctly, they are with, you know, telling the truth when they talk about all this depth they have and guys at AAA and all that. That is true. That's great. You have some good on you can bring up Gerardo Reyes who gets a win uh for you know, good timing. He got two outs and you know, and good timing. Uh, he gets a win in his major league debut on Friday, but then he gets roughed up the next day. Right. But and they have you know, these guys they can bring up. No, no, no. You would much rather have eight, nine, ten guys that you could count on. You would much rather have Robert Stock of two thousand eighteen. Uh that is what you have like to have, and you don't. And Robert Stahl, especially when Aaron Loop goes down, especially when Jose Castillo goes down, uh, Robert Stock was a huge part of the plan this year. And the plan being they have a limited rotation, as in limited experience and limited innings for a couple of the guys. They needed their middle relief to, yes, you need Yates and Stammen to be what they've been, but you need your middle relief to be really good, and it has not been really good. Now, good good news, Adam Warren appears to be Adam Warren, whereas early on I was like, huh, what's happening here? Well, right, he came right. in late to spring training, and maybe it just took him an extra couple weeks. Who knows? Uh, but he's been, he was excellent in Arizona. So, but that is the biggest thing to keep an eye on. And uh, going into Arizona was like, are they going to get a starting pitcher? Then I'm like, no, you know what? I'm pretty convinced, talking to people and what I'm seeing, I'm pretty convinced that they're going to try to rotate this bullpen, right? No, I'm back now thinking, no, they need an innings either because you just can't keep doing this to your bullpen. Right, right. Well, and especially because they need guys, and, and that's why stock was so important. They need guys that can go a couple innings at a time. And it seemed like Stock was that guy. Yep. That and he, he enjoyed the role. I mean, he talked about it, and but for whatever reason, he doesn't have his command right now. So you know, you just have to hope that he finds it 
down in El Paso, and and I'm sure that he's going to get another chance up here. You know, and they're just going to have to just keep rotating until they <laughs> until they find somebody that can. Um, well, they'll have 20 relievers this year. Right, yeah. right, and and you're just going to have to see who's ava- see who's uh, reliable, and <clears throat> when they are, you use them, and when they show that they're not, then you you know put them on the Quackenbush shuttle back to El Paso and bring up somebody else. Everybody knows when they go down, they're coming back. And when they come up, if your name's not Stam and Wingenter or Yates, you're probably going back down. Um, Right, right. Or or Warren, I should say, Adam Warren. I keep forgetting, and it's not on purpose, because I think that he might be a gigantic part of this bullpen, but I just keep forgetting him. No, Um, I I agree, and I I actually thought that Erlin was pretty safe, too, and then that shows what I know. You know, though, I understand what you're saying, because I do believe that that was absolutely circumstantial. I mean, he was going to be the last guy to be optioned, but the fact is, the it's not personal because all those guys, uh, you know, that are you know all the optionable guys are going, you know, are always going to uh, have a chance of spending ten days down in the minors. Right, right. So, all right, Kevin, I'll see you at the ballpark tonight. That'll be great. Two against the Rockies, and then uh, an off day, first one in uh, what fourteen days, I believe. So uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to you. And then we'll talk to everybody again on Thursday. Thanks, everyone.